Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Studios. This is the American Gun Show, presented by Sig Sauer. Now your host, the defender of your rights, and the voice of freedom, Jason Reed. All right, folks, welcome in to the American Gun Show right here from the Freedom 515 Studios. I'm your host, Jason Reeve, the voice of freedom, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Folks, we've got a ton that we are going to talk about today. Um, First and foremost, I want to talk about uh, what is going on in uh, Chicago we are seeing just an unbelievable, unbelievable amount of crime in the city of Chicago. And uh, I was talking with Nick Messer, who might join us later on this evening uh, for the show. Uh, we'll wait and see uh, if he pops in. If he does, we'll get his commentary on some stuff. If he doesn't, hey, that's okay. We'll roll with it anyway. But uh, what we're seeing in uh, Chicago, we are, we're seeing numbers that are just completely astronomical as far as uh, Chicago goes. And uh, over the Juneteenth weekend, we had a lot of uh, shootings that took place. Uh, 60 people shot in the city of Chicago over uh, the uh, Juneteenth holiday weekend. Um, Lori Lightfoot has, uh, it's getting bad with Lori Lightfoot. Um, uh, so far the, the, they're calling it the summer of joy in Chicago, which is a, a new stat that's being tracked in Chicago. Uh, it started on, uh, May 27th and as it stands right now, May 27th to July, uh, or nine, six, uh, there were <laughs> 304 or 300 or I'm sorry. 340 shot and wounded and 72 killed. Um, 412 people shot in the city of Chicago. Right now, year to date in Chicago, there has been 1,578 people shot in the city of Chicago. And it has to do a lot with Mayor Lori Lightfoot's policies. Uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot came out and said uh, last week that now police officers are not going to pursue 
criminals on foot for certain crimes. And what she means by that is that, uh, and I don't understand the terminology here, but simple assault. So apparently if a criminal commits simple assault and they take off running, uh, (laughs) the police are not going to chase them. Uh, and it is it is turning up, it is turning up real bad in the city of Chicago. In fact, the skyrocketing crime in Chicago has small businesses and corporations. They're packing their bags. Uh, Gary Raby, who uh, rab rabbi, I'm sorry, Raby, a rabbi. He's uh, he is the founder of the rabbi group and owner of 13 businesses. Um, he uh, left the city of Chicago. He's pulling his businesses out of the city of Chicago because of the crime epidemic that is happening there and because of Mayor Lori Lightfoot's policies. Um, he said, uh, Mr. Raby, or I don't know why I keep saying Raby. Mr. Rab, uh, Rabine said, quote, we would do thousands of jobs a year in the city, but we get robbed more. My people operating rollers and pavers, we got robbed. Our equipment where we get stolen in the broad daylight. And there's usually a gun involved in this. It's gotten expensive. It's gotten dangerous. And that's why he's pulling his business out. Uh, he's got a road uh, paving business uh, that he has in the city of Chicago. And it's what's happening is this is affecting the taxpayers in the city of Chicago. And uh, it, it's gotten really, really bad over there. Um, he took his business over the border to Wisconsin and uh, his employees feel safer and uh, they're happy with that. Now, last week, billionaire uh, Ken Griffin announced that he is moving his hedge fund firm Citadel out of Chicago after citing uh, crime as a major concern over the past few months. Uh, Mr. Griffin said, quote, if people aren't safe here, they're not going to live here. I've had multiple colleagues mugged at gunpoint. I've had colleagues stabbed on their way to work. Countless others, others uh, with burglarized. I mean, it's real. It's a really difficult backdrop, which to draw talent, talent to your firm. Uh, Citadel's having problems hiring people. Um, And we also know that Caterpillar which is a major manufacturer too, they're pulling out of the city of Chicago along with Citadel and Boeing. Boeing's headquarters was actually in Chicago and they are pulling out of Chicago as well. So you had three major corporations leaving the state of Illinois. In fact, in addition to companies leaving the state, Illinois has lost the highest percentage of residents than any other state in 2021. And this is according to the Allied Moving Company. Uh, folks, they are they are blaming a lot of people in the state. Uh, many factors of why people are leaving was including high taxes, coronavirus lockdowns, the cost of living, uh, the, cr- the crime is one of the big issues. But a lot of people are laying the blame at Governor J.B. Pitzner and Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Uh, for their criminal justice reforms and their soft approach on crime. Now, folks, we talked about this several times with in Chicago. Uh, there's been a soft approach on crime by Mayor Lori Lightfoot. 
You have Kim Fox, who is, in fact, the state's attorney for Cook County, and she is refusing to prosecute violent felons. I have I have talked to several police officers uh, in the city of Chicago who will remain anonymous. And uh, they said that they would arrest a dangerous gang member. And the next week they see that same. uh, They they see that same uh, person walk in the streets a week later. I mean, that that's absolutely insane. And as if things couldn't get bad to worse. Uh, on Monday, there were 11 people shot and two stabbed in the city of Chicago. So violent crime is driving a lot of people out of Chicago. And this isn't just something that's happening in the city of Chicago. This is happening in Philadelphia. This is happening in uh, New York, Los Angeles, basically every major Democrat-run city that this is happening is. And what's the common factor that we can see there? Well, the common factor that we see is that we have DEAs that are lax on crime. We're literally talking about the the crime wave that's happening in these Democrat-controlled cities. People like Gaston and uh, Alvin Bragg and the DA of Philadelphia, who, who they won't prosecute criminals. They, they just won't do it. And well, you know what? The bottom line is these violent people are going out and committing uh, more more crimes. I mean, we've talked about this numerous times with the reform laws in New York. They arrest somebody for a violent crime and then a couple hours later, they're back out on the streets and generally they're committing more crimes. But I know what. What are the anti-gun people saying? Oh well, you know, states with higher, higher uh, gun totals cause more gun deaths and da da da. Well, here's the funny thing. Fox News Digital compiled data from the FBI stats on 2019 and reported many states with higher percentage of gun ownerships had lower or similar murders and gun rates to states with strict gun control. And what we mean by that is Montana and Wyoming came in as the top spots for states with the highest percentage of gun ownership, with more than 66% of households with at least one firearm. However, states that saw murder and gun ra- uh, uh, murder rates rise, similar to states with strict gun laws. Fox News Digital compared Montana with Wyoming, a state which ties with New Jersey for lowest gun ownership in the country and found that Massachusetts murder rate was similar to Montana, despite Montana's high rate of gun ownership. George Mason university professor, uh, Emerita Joyce Lee Malcolm noted she had found similar results in her own work saying, quote, gun ownership in is higher in states with fewer restrictions and homicide rates in these states are lower people can protect themselves. Now, Crime Prevention Research Center John Lott suggested that the examination of impact of gun bans also undercuts pledges that gun control ushers in safety. John Lott said, quote, the explanation is simple. While you might take some guns away from the criminals, if you primarily have law-abiding citizens obeying the ban, you're mainly disarming law-abiding people and making it easier for criminals to commit crimes. Folks, we've talked about that, I don't know, on how many numerous occasions. Keep in mind, in cities like Chicago, New York, Los Angeles, they have very strict gun control laws in those cities and those states. And yet 
you're seeing the violence exploding in these cities. And I know, I know some of you guys out there on the, the liberal left are going to say, well, you know, it's because of population. No, population doesn't have anything to do with it. It's the fact that these people that lie to you and say, if you let us pass this, it's going to make you safer. And yet it doesn't make you safer. We saw over the last two years the demonization of police. And then people are wondering, well, why aren't the police showing up? Why aren't the police doing anything? You know, there are some cities across the country right now that they won't even respond to your 911 calls depending on what the situation is. That's a scary thing to think about. Very, very scary thing to think about. So, folks, I guess the bottom line is this. When these gun control advocates come at you and say gun ownership means more guns don't equal less crime. Beg to differ. They do, according to the FBI and the study that was done by George uh, Mason University. And John Lott, if you really want to see the guns on crimes research, go to crime uh, prevent, crimeresearch.org. That's the Crime Prevention Research Center. That's where you'll find all the data that Dr. John Lott and his staff find, and you would be shocked by the percentages that you would find there. I mean, it's it's absolutely shocking what you see happening there. Bottom line is, folks, when you have the demonization of the police, we saw the record numbers of gun sales in uh 2020 and continuing into 2021. And I'm assuming they're still going strong in 2022 because people want to protect themselves. We have that right to protect ourselves. And there's many people I know that work in gun shops that are seeing booming business. They're either seeing booming business because their people are coming in there to purchase firearms for the first time and you're also probably seeing a lot of training that's going on. I know my friends that work over at Blythe Sporting Goods here where I live, they're seeing a uptick in their training courses, which is fantastic news. Also, just to let everybody know that if you're in Indiana listening or watching this program, we only got the uh, state of Indiana. That's an exciting thing. Going to love to see where that goes moving on down the line. So that's fantastic, fantastic news to, to hear and see. So we're going to step away for a timeout. When we get back, we'll have some more American Gun Show. Hello, folks. Jason Reeve here. If you're looking for a great firearm, Six Hour is a great place to start. SIG is the makers of the P320 and the P365. In fact, the P320 has replaced the M9 as the sidearm of the United States Army. But SIG just doesn't make pistols. Oh no, they make shotguns, bolt-action rifles, and semi-automatic rifles, all to fit your firearm's needs. And if you're looking for training, well, you can sign up for the SIG Sauer Academy. Visit SIGSauer.com to browse firearms or sign up for training. That's SigSauer.com. Sig Sauer. Never settle. The 
The Freedom 515 movement is an opportunity for Americans to stand together for our constitutional rights, freedom, and civil liberties. We will no longer accept a government that does not work for the people, and we will not accept a media agenda aimed at dividing this country. The time to take a stand in solidarity with your fellow patriots is now. Join us. This peaceful movement is a transpartisan one. As long as you agree that we need and deserve better from our representatives and our government, you have a home here. Visit www.freedom515.com to sign up for email notifications or to join. That website is freedom515.com. The SAF is the most important gun rights organization in existence. Don't believe me? They are responsible for 80% of gun rights cases making their way through the courts right now, fighting to protect your right to keep and bear arms. Still don't believe me? Then head on over to saf.org where you can read about the current cases open right now. You can also join the fight or donate to the cause. Protecting your rights, one lawsuit at a time. Visit saf.org today. This is Erin, founder of Freedom 515, and you're listening to The American Gun Show. Now back to Jason Reeve. All right. Thank you very much, Erin, founder of Freedom 515. We're going to have to get her on the show again. She is just such an amazing person that uh, we definitely need to have her uh, on the show here. She is just, she's absolute dynamite. I mean, that's all I could say. Uh, love you to death, Aaron. I hope you're doing well out there in uh, the great state of Colorado. All right, folks, uh, New York is set to defy the Supreme Court. Uh, New York legislators are expected to ramp through new restrictions on the right to carry in the in Albany, where Governor Kathy Hochul has called them back for an extraordinary session to respond to last week's Supreme Court ruling striking down the state's may issue carry permitting regime. We don't have the text of the proposed legislation yet, but multiple media outlets are reporting that Hochul could sign the legislation as early as today, uh, June 30th. Uh, excuse me. And while we don't know all the specifics of the legislation, details have emerged and interviews with Hochul are enough to foresee another court challenge on the horizon. Uh, businesses that want guns around would have to put up signs reading concealed carry weapons are welcomed here or words to that effect. Hochul said, quote, otherwise the presumption would be the state of would be in the state of New York that they are not. We are going to protect the rights of private property owners, allow them not to have to be subjected to somebody walking into their workplace or bar with a concealed weapon. The state is setting new requirements for getting handgun permits. Hochul said, including mandating 15 hours of in-person range fire training, the legislature would enact new rules around firearm storage in homes and vehicles. Hochul said Hochul and fellow Democrats are also plan on creating a comprehensive list of sensitive places where the average citizen would be banned entirely from carrying a firearm, including government buildings, hospitals, schools, and public transit. The governor said that the, the anti-2A me measures go right up to the line 
drawn by the Supreme Court, but that not the case at all, or that's not the case at all. Hochul and Democrats who vote on this legislation, legislative nightmare are blatantly disregarding what the Buren opinion had to say. Sensitive places, as well as imposing enumerated requirements beyond mandating that concealed carry applicants demonstrate a justifiable need to carry a firearm. New York is basically giving the middle finger to the Supreme Court. That's what they're basically doing. And folks, everything that I just told you right there shows you that this isn't about public safety. This has nothing to do about public safety. This all has to do with control. This is their their way of disarming you. They want to disarm you, the American citizen, because Kathy Hochul cannot retain her power with an armed society. Plain and simple. Let's take a look at expanding the category of sensitive places simply to all public places, congregations that are not isolated from law enforcement defies the category of sensitive places far too broadly. The argument would be, in effect, exempt cities from Second Amendment would eviscerate the general right of the public to carry firearms in self-defense. Clarence Thomas made clear in the opinion, While there are a few exceptional circumstances where the lawful carry of firearms can be banned, those are exceptions, not the rule. Hochul's plan would not only make every business in the state a de facto gun-free zone, but most public places, according to the governor, would be off-limits to those who had valid concealed carry licenses. Federal, state, and local government buildings, uh, medical facilities, places where children gather, daycares, parks, zoos, playgrounds, public transportation, subway, buses, polling places, educational institutes, are all places that Hochul said she wants as sensitive sensitive areas. The governor would was asked if her proposal goes beyond what the Supreme Court allows, and she res- and the reporter said this to Hochul, quote, it sounds like you're shutting off all public places. And Hochul responded, I can't shut off all public places. The reporter asked her, so what would be left if you pass the if you pass this? And Hochul responded, probably some streets. The intention is clear as is clear as day here, folks. This is a this is a way to take away people's rights in the state of New York. This is to take away New Yorkers' rights to carry their firearm. The Buren decision specifically stated that you not only had a right to carry a firearm in your own home, but you had a right to carry a firearm outside your home for your protection. Now, they did say in the opinion that if the state wanted to require a permit, that's fine. You you can't it's not to show just cause. They can't do that, but if the the state if you pass all the requirements, you get your permit. Hochul is trying right now to take away all of that. You can't carry basically anywhere but on the street. You go into a business, you violated the law. That's what she's doing. It's plain as day. This right here is in defiance of the Supreme Court and the Constitution. That goes not only for Hochul's attempt to turn most of the state into a gun-free zone, but also it 
throws on burdensome training requirements. And look, folks, I'm not against training requirements. Everybody should take training. I advocate for training all the time. That is a very important thing that we need to do. But 15 hours of uh, live fire training is going to be nearly impossible for many New Yorkers to obtain a license simply because they can't afford the cost of ammunition. And range availability in the state of New York is also going to be a problem. Thomas specifically noted in his opinion, efforts to depress the number of individuals exercising their right to carry through lengthy wait times and processing license applications or ridiculous fees denies ordinary citizens the right to carry in public. And it could also be subject to constitutional challenges if they are put to abusive ends. So where is this going to go? Well, I got a pretty idea, pretty good idea where it's going to go, folks. And it's probably going to wind up in another court challenge. Again, this goes to show you, and remember, when I sat when we sat here on the last show with Nick Messer a couple days ago, and we talked about this, we flat out said. This is what the problem is going to be. The problem is flat out going to be that now that the Buren case has come down, you are going to see a bunch of blue states trying to enact some kind of ridiculous, ridiculous gun register gun schemes. And that's what you're seeing here, folks. That's that's exactly what you are seeing. So keep in mind there that it this is going to be something that's going to be a major, major problem as far as uh, the Supreme Court uh, or stuff that's going to be challenged that could also be going all the way back up to the Supreme Court. Folks, the bottom line is this. This is a um, this is a situation.
Hello folks, Jason Reeve here. As a veteran, I thought I knew a lot about guns, until I joined the USCCA. I then realized how much I didn't know about guns or concealed carry. The training I got from the USCCA not only helped my marksmanship, but also my decision making and my confidence. If you are in need of this life-saving training, it's simple. All you have to do is go to uscca.com to begin your path to becoming a responsibly armed American. Hello, Jason Reeve here, and as a veteran, I know the struggle of being discharged from the military and readjusting to civilian life. Unfortunately, this is a battle that many of our veterans have to face. Suicide rates among veterans are 22 a day and are likely to climb. That is why the American Gun Show is a supporter of Mission 22. Mission 22 is a nonprofit organization that is dedicated to healing our American veterans when they need it the most, right now. Mission 22 offers treatment for post-traumatic stress syndrome and traumatic brain injury and all other issues our veterans are facing today. Visit Mission 22 to donate. Mission 22, when their tour is over, our mission begins. This segment of the American Gun Show is brought to you by the United States Concealed Carry Association. Visit uscca.com to begin your path to becoming a responsibly armed American. All right, folks, welcome back to the show. Uh, sorry about that in the last segment. I do apologize to those uh, watching or listening to the podcast. If you are listening to the podcast, you go ahead and skip ahead to 33 minutes and uh, we'll be back. We lost uh, connection with the main server and we went down um john thanks for pulling uh me out at that point and uh you know again sorry for the pause we were working on it diligently to get it fixed and we were able to do that all right so we are back and um i want to just put kind of the nail in the coffin as uh, so to say with what's happening in new york and this is in clear defiance of the supreme court this is basically Kathy Hochul and the Democrat-led legislature in New York giving the middle finger to uh, <laughs> essentially giving the middle finger to the Supreme Court and saying, well, we're just going to make everything a gun-free zone. All right, moving on. Uh, John Cornyn. Uh, senator John Cornyn isn't any gun rights uh, supporter's favorite senator right now. Uh, he did, uh, after all, you know, <laughs> You don't uh, take control of a bipartisan gun control deal and not earn a little uh, disappointment and ire from the gun rights community. Uh, in fact, during the Texas State GOP convention, uh, he was booed. His reaction afterwards was to refer to those who were so vocally critical of him as, quote, the mob. And that didn't go over well at all. Uh, Cornyn is facing a lot of backlash from that. In fact, the fallout continues for him uh, negotiating that uh, bipartisan gun control deal and calling Texas Republicans who jeered or booed at him at the convention as a mob. 
The National Association of Gun Rights has a, a denounced Cornyn for Texas and demand he apologize for calling Texas Republicans the mob. Uh, State Representative Brian Slatton, uh, Sl- uh, Slatton has called for Cornyn to resign. Uh, he said compromise Cornyn should absolutely apologize to the grassroots at Texas GOP activists who called a, he called a mob and he should stop his attacks on their Second Amendment rights or resign. That's a direct quote from uh, the state representative. While giving remarks at the convention, Cornyn was booed and jeered and interrupted by delegates for the entire 15 minutes that he spoke, chanting, no red flag, don't take away our Second Amendment rights. They also called him a traitor. The delegates also unanimously approved a resolution condemning the bill he proposed. However, in response to being booed, he criticized the base that helped elect him. Uh, Carl Keeman, author of Consider Homeschooling, said, quote, I have friends that booed John Cornyn to his face at the Texas GOP convention and chanted, no red flags, no red flags. Did he listen? No, he just called them a mob, end quote. Scott Braddock from the Quorum Report tweeted, Quote, after John Cornyn was met with such hatred at the GOP convention in Houston, I'm told he said to a few people, I've never given in to the mob and I'm not going to start today. Cornyn retreated his tweet affirming his support. He hasn't denied making the comment or directly responded to requests that he apologize or resign. His office couldn't be reached for comment. So basically, he acknowledges that he called those who loudly disagreed with him a mob. That's insane. Cornyn should know better for doing that, especially when he supported gun control. There's going to be uh, some of your fellow Texans that are going to take issue with that. While his approval rating might still be strong there, the fact of the matter is those who disagree with him are going to passionately disagree with him as it should be. That's what we do with our elected officials. And let's be honest, no one booing expected it all to force Cornyn to change his mind. It was simply an effort to show their displeasure. In this country, we have a right to tell our elected officials how we feel. That's what they were doing here. Plain and simple. We all have the right to do that. Frankly, if Cornyn can't take these kind, this kind of heat without thinking it's a mob, maybe politics isn't where he belongs. This isn't going to change. This doesn't change anything. Cor- uh, Cornyn doesn't run for re-election anytime soon unless he faces a, a serious primary challenge. So while he's f- facing warded l- backlash, both for the bill and his comments, don't expect anything to come of it. He won't resign because a state representative is uh, is booing or you know calling for him to do that. He's not going to resign. But, um, you know, fact of the matter is, is that we all have a right to do that with our elected officials. In fact, when um, one of my senators here in New York, or not New York, uh, Indiana, they flat out, uh, he supported the gun control bill as well. And I tweeted directly to him and said, you know what, if you want to support this and you come out and I, I've spoken directly in emails with Todd Young. And Todd Young said, 
Uh, I support the right to keep and bear arms. I support the Second Amendment. It's a fundamental right, everything like that. But yet you supported gun control. You supported the whole thing. And what you did now, what you did now is you've opened the door for them to want more gun control. And you have to keep in mind here, folks, and, and you need to understand this. The left and the gun control, the, the gun prohibition lobby, they are not willing to compromise with us at all. They're not willing to compromise with us at all. They show no quarter. It's kind of why I've got the black American flag here, because I'm a Second Amendment advocate. I support the right to keep and bear arms. I believe every gun control is an infringement on the Second Amendment. Plain and simple. And when you're going to sit here and lie, like Todd Young did, and say that he supports the Second Amendment, but then he supports gun control, that makes me wonder, what else is he lying to us about? That's why I've called on Hoosiers to vote Todd Young out. Todd Young's up for re-election this year, during the midterms. He does not have my vote. And the reason that Todd Young does not have my vote is very simple. If he was willing to lie on the Second Amendment, what else is he willing to lie on? What else is he willing to say he supports, but then will go with legislation that would infringe on whatever he says he supports? It's absolutely ridiculous. And Cornyn did the same thing. In fact, 15 Republican senators did that. And we are seeing backlash across the country for those senators, as it should be. But for John Cornyn to call people who disagreed with him the mob, wow. Now, you want to talk about a rhino, folks. That right there is a specific rhino. Plain and simple. We have that right to air out our grievances to our elected officials. That's how the process works. And if we don't like what our elected officials are doing, we have the opportunity to vote them out. Todd Young is up for re-election this year. Indiana, I urge you, vote him out. Vote him out because he does not have the best interest of Hoosiers in mind. Texas, I would urge you to vote John Cornyn out because he does not have your interests in mind. He clearly doesn't care what you think because when you express your displeasure with him, he called you a mob. I mean, my gosh, folks, that's crazy. That's absolutely nuts. And it shouldn't be tolerated. You spearheaded a gun control, a bipartisan gun control that Look, there are some good things that are in the bill, as in if a prohibited person uh, tries to buy a firearm, the police need to be notified, mental health expansion, hardening schools, that's all fine. But what we do have a problem, but what we do have a very huge problem with is the fact that what are these expanded background checks on 18 to 20 year olds going to be like? How is that going to play out? Then you have... Uh, the red flag laws. Oh, we're going to give you federal money incentives for you to enact red flag laws. We know that red flag laws violate due process unless it's specifically written in the law that if anybody abuses this, they could be charged with a crime. 
And that's what should be done. I would be all in favor of red flag laws, but if somebody falsely accuses you, they're looking at a penalty, not you. And it's at that point too, because what a lot of these red flag laws work as is, okay, we go take the guns and then we figure it out later. That's where the violation of due process is. If you are going to make the assumption if you're going to accuse somebody of being a danger to society, the burden of proof is on the person who accused that other person. The burden of proof is on the accuser to prove that this person is a danger. And a lot of times that doesn't happen. It could just be in some states where somebody could just be ticked off because you got a job promotion over them and they know you have guns and they go and red flag you. And then next thing you know, you don't even have the right to face your accuser. And next thing you know, the cops are showing up at your doors going, we're here for your guns. What? That's how, that's how these red flags work. Can a red flag be done that does not violate due process? Yes. But a lot of times these people won't do that. And how many red flag laws have stopped mass shootings? We talked about the Evaldi shooter, the Parkland shooter. They've been visited by cops several times. They did nothing. And yet, look what happened. The tragedy that happened there. All right, folks, we're going to step away for timeout. We'll be right back after this. The SAF is the most important gun rights organization in existence. Don't believe me? They are responsible for 80% of gun rights cases making their way through the courts right now, fighting to protect your right to keep and bear arms. Still don't believe me? Then head on over to saf.org, where you can read about the current cases open right now. You can also join the fight or donate to the cause. Protecting your rights, one lawsuit at a time. Visit saf.org today. Are you looking for an iconic firearm to add to your collection? Well, look no further than Beretta Firearms. Beretta is the oldest firearms manufacturer in the world, supplying firearms as far back as 1650. In fact, the Beretta 92FS was the primary sidearm for the U.S. Armed Forces. Beretta has all types of handguns, rifles, and shotguns to fit your needs, whether it be home defense or concealed carry. Handgun options include the 92 px4 storm and the new apx series beretta is known for reliability and effectiveness that's why so many military and law enforcement have relied on beretta visit beretta.com to view their selections beretta win the fight A big part of the concealed carry lifestyle is carrying your firearm at all times. This can be difficult if you don't have the right holster. I've tried many holsters with minimum success. Then I tried the cloak tuck, an inside the waistband holster made by Alien Gear Holsters. They also make the Shapeshift Holster Series, have lifetime warranties, and are made right here in the USA. Visit AlienGearHolsters.com to browse their selections and find the best holster for your lifestyle.
This segment of the American Gun Show is brought to you by the Second Amendment Foundation. Join or donate at saf.org. Now back to the defender of your gun rights, Jason Reed. All right, folks, welcome back to the show. And yesterday news broke that the California Attorney General's office leaked gun owner info. And as the day progressed, because this information came out early this morning, as the day progressed, we found that the leak was far worse than just people who purchased a gun. Uh, The Attorney General, Rob Bonta, originally reported had been limited to private and personal details of concealed carry permittees in the state, was far more extensive than his office first admitted. Yesterday afternoon, the office acknowledged that in addition to concealed carry records, which include full names, home addresses, driver's license numbers of all of those who applied for concealed carry permits, not just those that were approved. Other databases ran by the Attorney General's office were also open and available to download for an unspecific amount of time this week. It was revealed that the exposure also extended to the quote-unquote assault weapons registry, handgun certified for sale, dealer record of sale, firearm certification safety, and gun violence restraining orders. The attorney general said, quote, this is unauthorized release of personal information that is unacceptable and falls far short of my expectations for this department. He has launched an investigation and the California DOJ has shut down part of its website once it learned about the breach. It's concerning any time this. This is what I've had to say, quote, it's concerning any t- any information that specifically is released to the public. Of course, we will tell the public all the time is to protect your personal information. Mim said it is also important for these gun owners to make sure their homes are secure since home in, uh, home addresses were part of the breach. Well, I just want to say to the California Attorney General's office, thank you. The unauthorized release of personal information has provided a shopping list for criminals who are looking to steal guns and ammunition, as well as putting those who know how many gun owners at risk of being targeted by abusive ex-partners or criminal defendants who appeared before one of the hundreds of judges whose personal info was made available online. This is a really bad situation, folks. Really bad. And despite what the attorney general is saying that he's angry and deeply disturbed by this data leaks, this data leak seems to be fairly non-pulsed about the fact that his office has and essentially doxed hundreds of thousands of Californians. Now, according to the Los Angeles time, the leaked amounts to entire decades worth of data of gun owners and those who applied for concealed carry permits. The California State Sheriff Association said it was alarmed to learn of the the breach. Butte County Sheriff Corey Honey said, quote, it is infuriating that people have been complying with the law and have been put at risk by this breach. The associate, uh, he is the associate president of the Sheriff's Association. All California law uh, law enforcement agencies that issued concealed carry permits are required to provide certain information about permit holders to the Department of Justice, which in turn is required to safeguard that information. 
Folks, in other words, what just happened here? What, what, what just happened here? What this basically means is that you have doxed all the people that you quote unquote registered in the state of California. So far, the only recourse that has been offered by the attorney general are for those to protect their personal information that was exposed by credit monitoring to protect their ident from identity thieves. What about the actual thieves who now have the name and addresses of local gun owners in the areas thanks to this downloading and this information that came out? Will he be providing any kind of protection against that? The California Rifle and Pistol Association is calling this a massive violation of California law, and they are calling on Bonta to uh, resign. They said this should be Exhibit A the next time gun control groups in your state start, start talking about the need for gun registrations, licensing, and yes, even red flag laws beyond obvious constitutional issues with those debates. The California Attorney General has just shown how easy it is for your information to wind up out in the public. And if I'm, if I'm a gun owner in California, I am terrified right now. I am literally terrified because these criminals know where you're at now. They know who has the guns and who doesn't have the guns. That's the whole point why registry was illegal. This is why a national registry is illegal for this reason right here. Now all the criminals in California know where the guns are at. And you don't think that a criminal is not going to scope out this person's house to see their patterns, to see when they go to work, when they don't go to work, that kind of thing. It's stuff like this that is contributing to the violent crime rising in this country. And you know what's going to happen? And, and I'll tell you what's going to happen here, folks, because this is this is how California thinks. There's going to be a situation where a criminal breaks into somebody's home and steals their guns. They're going to use it in a crime. And you know what California is going to do? They're going to blame the homeowner. They're going to blame the gun owner and the homeowner whose house got broken into and his property stolen. They're going to blame them for that. Well, you know, if you just would have secured your guns properly, this wouldn't have happened. This is, you know, this is one of the dumbest arguments I hear coming from people on the left. Well, if you would have secured it, okay, if you pull up in your car and you're running in to grab a soda at a gas station and you leave your keys in the car and somebody takes off with your car and somebody, oh, well, you shouldn't have left your keys in the car. How about, why aren't you blaming the guy who got in the car and took off? Because... In this country, and this is a huge problem that we have in this country, in this country, we have gone from prosecuting the criminals to claiming they're all victims and prosecuting the, the actual victims. It's actually flip-flopped. Oh, man, you know, that's pretty bad that he did that. You know, he stole, but, you know, I remember seeing a, a story a couple months ago where Guy broke into a guy's uh, old lady's house. Old lady shot and killed him. 
the family and, and the media were mad that the old lady shot him. Hey, how about you don't go breaking into people's houses? But no, you wanna you wanna criminalize the actual victim and make a victim out of the actual criminal. It's absolutely it blows my mind. It literally blows my mind that people do this. It's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, jeez. What 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 can we say? What what can we say? I mean, it's it's crazy. All right, folks, we're going to step away for timeout. We will be back in four minutes for hour two of the American Gun Show. Until then, take care of one another, stay safe, and remember, it's our rights, our fight.
515 Studios, this is the American Gun Show, presented by Sig Sauer. Now your host, the defender of your rights, and the voice of freedom, Jason Reed. All right, folks, welcome back to the American Gun Show, right here from the Freedom 515 Studios. Folks, we got one more hour to go, and it seems like time always flies by when we're having when we're having a good time here. For those of you that are watching the stream right now, I appreciate it. Thank you very much for being here. Uh, for those of you, you'll get this on the podcast. It will, uh, of course, download right after the show and upload to uh, your favorite podcast platform. You can just search the American Gun Show and you will find us there. Um, you can also follow us on Spotify as well. Folks, Democrats are interesting. They're a very interesting beast. They really are. I mean, Democrats, we haven't talked about Second Amendment sanctuaries lately. But we know that over half the counties in the United States are now Second Amendment sanctuaries. Um, and Democrats are just flying off the rails about Second Amendment sanctuaries. But yet, with the overturning of Roe versus Wade, Democrats are singing a different tune about ignoring abortion laws. Now, ever since the Second Amendment sanctuaries took off kind of in 2018, uh, anti-gun politicians and gun control group, groups have complained that communities putting these measures in place are overstepping their authority and have no recourse but to enforce any new gun control measures adopted by state legislatures or the federal government. The anti-gun website The Trace helpfully pointed out statements to that effect back in 2020, and the rhetoric hasn't changed that much since then. Now, you remember when the sanctuary movement first started, it started in Virginia. And at that time, the Virginia Attorney General, Mark Herring, said in December of, I believe it was 2019, that the resolution had no legal force. Last year, Washington Attorney General Bob Ferguson warned that sheriffs who declined to enforce their initiative 1639, which requires enhanced background checks for semi-automatic rifles, could be held liable it are liable if a law enforcement official refused to vet a gun buyer who later uses that gun to harm someone. And Colorado Attorney General Phil Weiser said that any sheriff who refuses to enforce new gun laws should resign. Mary McCord, a former acting assistant attorney general for national security, argued in the Washington Post that Second Amendment sanctuary resolutions have no legal basis and that only a court can overturn a state or federal law. State constitutions, statutes, or common law generally affirm the supremacy of the federal government and state laws, meaning that local jurisdictions are preempted from enacting conflicting ordinances and resolutions, she wrote. It doesn't matter if you like the law. You have to enforce it. That's the mentality of Democrats. If they don't like the law... I don't care. It has to be enforced. Blah, blah, blah. But now that the Supreme Court has tossed out Roe versus Wade and left it up to the states to address the issue of abortions, Democrats have, had, have now have a newfound respect for ignoring laws they don't agree with. Local legal officials say they and other cities' attorney and county prosecutors in the U.S. will not make abortion bans enforcement a priority. 
Zach Klein, the city attorney for Columbus, and the Cuyahoga County prosecutor Michael O'Malley signed on with more than 60 other prosecutors throughout the country, pledging not to use their office's resources to enforce abortion bans. Klein wrote in a statement, quote, We will continue to use our prosecutorial or prosecutorial, uh, blah, 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 prosecutorial discretion to put it safely and security of Columbus residents first by allocating our resources to targets the most serious crimes facing our communities. <laughs> if these prosecutors have disc discretion not to pursue cases related to abortion, then why do prosecutors and law enforcement have the same discretion when it comes to enforcing gun control laws? Well, the simple answer is they do. It's nothing more than pure hypocrisy by Democrats. They don't like the Second Amendment, so any law that's made, we're going to enforce. You're going to have to enforce it. Oh, we don't like the fact that Roe versus Wade got overturned, so we're we're uh, we're not enforcing it. Blah blah. <laughs> City Council member Chido Vela, the lead sponsor of a resolution discouraging Austin police from investigating allegations concerning abortion, said Monday. He expects City Council to consider a resolution at a special meeting held the week of July 18th. In addition to Vela's sponsor of the resolution so far, Mayor Steve Adler and Council members Vanessa Ferales, Paige Ellis, Leslie Poole, Ann Kitchen, and Kathy Tovo, the planned action is a direct response to Dobbs versus Jackson. The re the resolution is known as the Gra the the Grace Act, guarding the right to abortion care for everyone. It states that in the it is the policy of the city, accepted as required by state or federal law, do not use city funds to store or catalog any reports of any abortion, miscarriages, or reproductive health act. That's what they're doing in uh, the city of uh, Austin. So where is the outrage from folks like Bob Ferguson, who declared that county sheriffs have no authority or discretion when it comes to enforcing the state's gun control laws? Well, it removes a reversal of decades of legal precedent relied upon by millions and millions of women in this country, he said. It's outrageous and we will not accept it. That's his quote. Ferguson confirmed that even in if the draft appended is adopted by the Supreme Court, abortion accident in Washington will not change. Moreover, his office has also written a number of medical commission boards to make sure any doctor who ends up with a criminal history due to practicing safe and legal abortions in any other state until it is criminalized will not have that negatively affect them should they look for work in Washington state. If it weren't for double standards, folks, there wouldn't be any standard at all. What's basically happening here is very simple. Democrat run cities and counties, as well as individual prosecutors and law enforcement do have the authority to decide which laws are, they're going to prioritize and which ones they're going to be most or completely ignored. So do Republican-ran cities and countries have the same discretion. When it comes to gun control and all the hand-waving uh, hand and 
finger pointing and everything like that. Second Amendment sanctuaries have now been proven to be just another sanctimonious bit of political hypocrisy on part of the anti-gun left. See, Democrats, when there's a law or a statute or something like that that Democrats don't like, oh, folks, they are very, very, very quick to go ahead and say, nope, we're not enforcing it. You can't make us enforce it. But yet when Missouri passed their Second Amendment uh, Preservation Act, which basically said that we're not enforcing new gun control laws, everybody went, you can't do that. <laughs> you can't do that. Remember a couple of years ago when California declared itself a uh, immigration sanctuary, that it was a sanctuary state, which meant that they were not going to work with the federal government. They weren't going to work with ICE or anybody like that to uh, get these, uh, to enforce immigration laws. And the Trump administration attempted to cut off funding to the state and the Supreme Court said, you can't do that. It's, it's the same thing here with Second Amendment sanctuaries. The state of California said, we're not enforcing immigration laws. Go pound sand. Well, the state of Missouri said, we're not enforcing gun control laws. Go pound sand. But you see, this is the classic hypocrisy from the Democrats. Do what I tell you, but if I don't like it, I don't have to do it. Here's another hypocrisy here, folks. Marijuana Antifa, was, they've been tearing up Portland for years now. Remember what Jerry Nadler said? Oh, well, that's just an idea. People are just blowing off steam. Not a big deal. But then when Kyle Rittenhouse was attacked, they all said he was a white supremacist. I mean, it's... It, their hypocrisy knows no bound, folks. Their hypocrisies know no bounds. They want you to do what you're told. Shut up, peasant, and do what you're told. We don't care if it violates the Constitution. We don't care if it violates your state Constitution. We don't care about that. We know better than you. Shut up and obey. That's what they do. This is another glaring hypocrisy of that. Oh, we don't have to enforce this law because we don't like it. So you mean to tell me in Austin, Texas, where the Texas has an abortion ban after six weeks? Okay, so you don't have to enforce that. But if Texas was to ban, quote unquote, assault rifles, oh, they'd have to enforce it. Folks, those of you who are Democrats that listen to the show, and I know who you are because I get your hate mail all the time. You can't have it both ways. You cannot have your cake and eat it too. I know in your world, you're used to getting everything you want, but you know, you got to get out from mom and daddy's house and realize that the world doesn't work that way. We don't get what we want all the time. And I know there's an entire generation of Americans who have spent their entire life getting what they want. And the bottom line is it doesn't work that way, folks. It doesn't work that way. It's never going to work that way. But of course, when it comes down to it, that's what these kids think. 
That's what a lot of people think in this country. I know a, I know 40-year-old adults who think that way. I'm entitled to this. This is why it's so easy to ruin their arguments. Because I know when people brought up Second Amendment sanctuary, well, they hold no, they hold no legal. Really? Well, what about California? They were in direct violation of immigration laws. Nothing happened to them. Well, that, and of course, you always get the well. That's different. Well, no, it's not. It's not different. And this, and let's be honest here, folks. The Second Amendment sanctuary movement was really started because of the immigration sanctuaries. There were people out there who said, wow, you know what? We've seen these people do this. So we figured, hey, I ain't got to worry about that now. We're going to go out and make Second Amendment sanctuaries. And a precedent debt has been set in court. So you say that they don't hold legal challenges? We have, we have counties here in Indiana that have a Second Amendment sanctuary status. And it was specifically written by lawmakers, too, that made sure that Indiana's preemption law, that this didn't violate it. These sanctuaries don't violate the preemption law. But, you know, to a Democrat, they can't have it that way. Do what I say or you're, you go jail. Blah, blah. God love these people. All right, folks, we're going to take a time out. We'll be right back after this. Hello, folks. Jason Reeve here. If you're looking for a great firearm, Six Hour is a great place to start. SIG is the makers of the P320 and the P365. In fact, the P320 has replaced the M9 as the sidearm of the United States Army. But SIG just doesn't make pistols. Oh no, they make shotguns, bolt-action rifles, and semi-automatic rifles, all to fit your firearm's needs. And if you're looking for training, well, you can sign up for the SIG Sauer Academy. Visit SIGSauer.com to browse firearms or sign up for training. That's SIGSauer.com. SIG Sauer. Never settle. The Freedom 515 movement is an opportunity for Americans to stand together for our constitutional rights, freedom, and civil liberties. We will no longer accept a government that does not work for the people, and we will not accept a media agenda aimed at dividing this country. The time to take a stand in solidarity with your fellow patriots is now. Join us. This peaceful movement is a transpartisan one. As long as you agree that we need and deserve better from our representatives and our government, you have a home here. Visit www.freedom515.com to sign up for email notifications or to join. That website is freedom515.com. The SAF is the most important gun rights organization in existence. Don't believe me? They are responsible for 80% of gun rights cases making their way through the courts right now, fighting to protect your right to keep and bear arms. Still don't believe me? Then head on over to saf.org where you can read about the current cases open right now. You can also join the fight 
or donate to the cause. Protecting your rights, one lawsuit at a time. Visit saf.org today. This is Erin, founder of Freedom 515, and you're listening to The American Gun Show. Now back to Jason Reeve. All right, folks, welcome back to the show. And uh, <laughs> we, uh, Pittsburgh uh, hasn't had, uh, we haven't talked about uh, the preemption laws in Pittsburgh for a while now. Uh, but Pitts- the new Pittsburgh mayor uh, apparently thinks that he has the power to curtail rights. Now, former mayor of Pittsburgh, Bill Peduto, pushed through an assault weapons ban that violated the state's preemption law, as an example. Well, Peduto's gone now. He was voted out, and now Mayor Ed Grainley seems to be following a similar footprint. The Pittsburgh mayor is calling on state lawmakers to give Pittsburgh the power to pass and enforce its own gun laws and end a state law intended to preempt the city from doing so. This comes as the city also appeals to the Pennsylvania Supreme Court seeking the power to enforce gun laws the city passed in 2019 after the mass shooting at the Tree of Life Synagogue. That was the shooting where Peduto said, we're passing a uh, assault weapons ban and all other kinds of different gun controls. And then Second Amendment Foundation stepped in and said, you're violating preemption law. And they basically got sued into compliance again. So taxpayers of Pittsburgh, thank you very much for uh, paying for our legal fees. But secondly, uh, I want to say this. You had state representatives and attorneys in Pittsburgh were telling Bill Peduto, don't do this. Don't do it. And he said, I don't give a crap about the state preemption law. Did it anyway. The new mayor said, quote, give us the right to preempt state laws. Give us the right to ban military-style assault weapons in our street. Give us the right. We are begging our legislators, legislators in Harrisburg, give us the right to fight for the lives of our children. The mayor was joined by other community leaders and elected officials calling what they described a common-sense gun legislation. Now, the city of Pittsburgh saw more gun violence this weekend. Seven people were hurt and one man was killed and an officer was hit by a bullet. The bear spoke about the Pittsburgh police officer who escaped serious injury when a shot fired at him hit his protective vest. He said, quote, he's doing well and we're praying for him. We're thankful that nothing serious happened. And I want that officer and his family to know he, how much he means to the city of Pittsburgh. But then again, we need the state to move. He talked primarily about gun crimes, stating he lost his sister and niece to such a thing. And believe me, if that is the case, I feel for you, man. My father was murdered when I was four months old. I've had your, what you would call, quote unquote, gun violence. I've had that affect my family personally. I'm still a Second Amendment advocate because I believe in the Constitution. So I'm I'm sympathetic to him. I'm sympathetic to anyone who has lost someone they care about to something like this. And I get how wanting to do something to make sure it never happens again is generally something that we all want to do. But let's be uh, let's be real for a moment here. 
I have a better chance of hooking up with Jennifer Aniston than I do than than I do agreeing with the city of Pittsburgh. First, cities generally don't pass felonies. The most they can do is hit somebody with a misdemeanor. Now, if a felony charge that comes from shooting at people, even if you miss, unless it's self-defense, it's still a fel- it's still a felony. Aren't enough to deter criminals. They're still a felony, and they're still not deterring criminals. So then, what is a misdemeanor going to do? We're talking about criminals here. If they were inclined to follow the law in the first place, we wouldn't we wouldn't be having this problem to begin with. If Pittsburgh wants to enact these gun laws, and they do, it's not going to impact criminals. It's only going to impact the law-abiding citizens. And why is that? Because law-abiding citizens follow the law. That's why they're law-abiding. But then that puts us at a disadvantage. It puts the law-abiding citizens at a disadvantage compared to the criminals that prey upon them. So I'm really hoping that the state legislators in uh, Pennsylvania tell this mayor to go pound sand. Because the reality of the situation is we can look at all kinds of different cities across the country. Chicago, Philadelphia, New York, Trenton, Los Angeles, San Diego, Sacramento, San Francisco. Have all kinds of gun laws in these cities. And yet, high violent crime rates. Plus, it doesn't help when a lot of these places have bail reform. So, if uh, you go ahead and uh, they have these bail reforms out there. So, you know, you arrest a criminal for doing a violent act. And, you know, a few hours later, he's back out in the streets. Going to hurt more people. So, banning, you know, this one lunatic shot up that synagogue, as tragic as it was, there was no law on the books that was going to prevent him from doing that. There was none. But yet, here we are again, give us the right to preempt. No, we're not going to give you the right to preempt. Because do you want to know what one of the biggest problems with states that end preemption is? You could be completely, let's just say this, all right? Pittsburgh has very strict gun laws, right? But you're traveling from a county into Pittsburgh that doesn't have the restrictions that Pittsburgh has. So you mean to tell me that traveling within your own state and you go into a city that has the stricter laws, your right to self-defense ends by an imaginary line. It's the same thing we have with states. So my right to, I live here in Indiana. If I'm to go into Illinois, my right to defend myself ends at Illinois-Indiana state line. But yet other, other rights that we have, like I can travel, I have the freedom of movement. I can travel in and out of Illinois all I want. Now don't get it spun because somebody's going to be like, So you're saying that we should go ahead and, you know, register guns like cars? No. I said, travel. I could walk into Illinois. I could bike ride into 
Illinois. I could drive my car into Illinois. There's nothing restricting me from entering the state of Illinois. But when it comes to my Second Amendment right, guess what? I don't have that right in Illinois because I'm not an Illinois resident. The point that I'm making here, folks, is that your rights do not end at imaginary lines. Or I should say they shouldn't end at imaginary lines. But guess what? That's what these people want to do. Remember a couple of years ago when the National Reciprocity Act was uh, being debated? Every blue state Democrat was going, this allows criminals to carry guns over state lines without being. What was stopping them from doing it to begin with? You know how many criminals that I know of that have crossed it from Indiana to Illinois and vice versa? These Democrats act like there is some kind of Star Wars flipping force field around the state that the minute you walk into the state uh, and you're a criminal, you, you apparently get vaporized or something. I mean, this is more of that flipping Star Wars 1984, whatever you want to call it. These people who break the law don't care about the law. We, we've said this numerous times on the show. Criminal doesn't fear law enforcement. The criminal doesn't feel the fear of the judicial system. The criminal doesn't even uh, fear going to prison for a few years. And nothing is going to change until that criminal learns to fear their victim. When they're afraid of their victim, crime goes down. That's why when you have states like Missouri and Arizona that have constitutional carry, now the bad guys don't know who's carrying and who's not. See, if you in preemption in Pittsburgh or in Pennsylvania and Pittsburgh is allowed to do everything, you're basically advertising to every criminal, well, hey, guess what? You can come down into Pittsburgh and rob whoever you want because we, we're, we're infringing on their Second Amendment right. We're going to go ahead and make sure they don't have these guns. Oh, okay. Criminals are sitting back going, hey, you know what? <laughs> Let's go down into Pittsburgh and rob some houses or whatever. That's how stupid these people are. This is how stupid they think. There are 22,000 gun laws on the books, folks. 22,000. Not one of them was being followed by a criminal. And yet, for some reason, they think, well, you know what? If we have one more law, that's that's all it's going to take. One more law. It's kind of like when you're at a carnival and you're playing a rigged game and you throw the ball. And, uh, just one more dollar, one more dollar, one more dollar, one more dollar. And then next thing you know, you've got you've spent 50 bucks and you still haven't won the teddy bear for your loved one. And for those of you who are writing in, I just had somebody pop in on Discord and say, yeah, but, uh, you know, I could do it one for one. Well, good for you. That's not the case with gun laws. 22,000 gun laws on the books across this country, and yet we've seen a huge crime wave that started in 2020. But one more law is going to fix that. It's just one, one more law, right? Just one more is going to fix it. 
I, I don't know, folks. I, I don't know. It's crazy. It, it's literally crazy. Yeah. Hopefully the Pittsburgh uh, or the uh, Pennsylvania state legislature tells these guys to go pound sand because that all that's going to do is put more people in Pittsburgh at risk. All right, folks, going to take a time out. We'll be right back after this. Looking for a new firearm but don't know where to start? Well, look no further than Taurus. Taurus has a variety of firearms from revolvers to semi-automatics. These firearms include the Defender 856, the G2C, the all-new G3, and the TX-22 2019's Guns and Ammo Handgun of the Year. Taurus firearms are reliable and reasonably priced. Go to TaurusUSA.com to browse their selection of firearms. Taurus firearms, designed to protect. Hello folks, Jason Reeve here. As a veteran, I thought I knew a lot about guns until I joined the USCCA. I then realized how much I didn't know about guns or concealed carry. The training I got from the USCCA not only helped my marksmanship, but also my decision-making and my confidence. If you are in need of this life-saving training, it's simple. All you have to do is go to uscca.com to begin your path to becoming a responsibly armed American. Hello, Jason Reeve here, and as a veteran, I know the struggle of being discharged from the military and readjusting to civilian life. Unfortunately, this is a battle that many of our veterans have to face. Suicide rates among veterans are 22 a day and are likely to climb. That is why the American Gun Show is a supporter of Mission 22. Mission 22 is a nonprofit organization that is dedicated to healing our American veterans when they need it the most, right now. Mission 22 offers treatment for post-traumatic stress syndrome and traumatic brain injury and all other issues our veterans are facing today. Visit Mission 22 to donate. Mission 22, when their tour is over, our mission begins. This segment of the American Gun Show is brought to you by the United States Concealed Carry Association. Visit uscca.com to begin your path to becoming a responsibly armed American. I'm back to the show, and <laughs> if Boston University's anti-racism professor and anti-racial activist, Abram X. Kendi, is to be believed, millions of first-time gun African-American gun owners they support slavery. That includes a huge number of African-American women, the fastest growing membership de demographic within the National African-American Gun Association over the past two years. See, Kendi joined CBS's Face the Nation and somehow equated supporting the Second Amendment and supporting the freedom to own firearms with supporting the freedom to enslave people. He said, quote, there are people who are fighting for freedom freedom for assault rifles, freedom for poverty, freedom from exploitation. And then there are those who are fighting for freedom to exploit, freedom to have guns, and freedom to maintain inequality. Kendi's estimation is that if someone supports gun ownership, 
They support exploiting people. Okay. Now, there was, and by the way, there was no follow-up or pushback from the host. You see, over the last 30 months or so, law-abiding black Americans have been among the most likely to embrace the Second Amendment and taken up lawful firearms ownership. The National Shooting Force Foundation data showed that African Americans purchased firearms at a rate 58% more in 2020 than they did in 2019. It wasn't just black gun buyers either. During the same span, 49% of Hispanic Americans purchased firearms, and the rate was 43% more for Asian Americans. Since 2020, more than 14 million first-time gun buyers have lawfully purchased a firearm, making gun owning the gun-owning community the most diverse that it's ever been. Now, the NAAGA founder and President Phil Smith saw it coming even further back. He started his group in 2015, but noted recently he's seen an awakening among African Americans and their interest for the Second Amendment. He said, quote, It's a value add to their house, their family household, as opposed to, let's say, 10 years or six years ago. The movement is in a certain direction, and I think it's in a good direction. He also owns, um, as Kendi described, or uh, I'm, I'm sorry, as uh, I got my quotes mixed up here, as, uh, oh, my computer's going funny. As Phil Smith described, Kendi also owns several firearms, including more than one modern sporting rifle or so-called assault weapons that Kendi described. Far from the old white man often portrayed in the media that this is a generally pro-gun control and anti-gun, Pew Research tells a different story. While 36% of white Americans freely reveal they are gun owners, 24% of African Americans and 15% of Hispanic Americans are likely to do so as well. And this is likely an underreporting of gun ownership. Professor Kendi may be disappointed to learn that a simple Google search of changing face of American gun owners returns no shortage of fact-based reporting on who actually embracing the Second Amendment. It is not Americans seeking to exploit and enslave people. It's actually showing here where the African American community can be empowered over exploitation. Kendi gets plenty wrong in his analysis and equates being pro-Second Amendment with being pro-enslavement, as he terms it. He ignores that throughout history of of black gun ownership in America and African Americans support that God-given right. In his op-ed in The Hill, law professor John Turley points out that numerous flaws in in the Second Amendment is racist. Kendi and those sharing his views got it wrong. Turley writes, As far too often, there are theories not challenged on Second Amendment history on purpose, despite overwhelming a largely ignored evidence to the contrary. We have seen, particularly right after the Civil War, we've seen Southern Democrats, not Republicans, Southern Democrats and do everything they can to keep newly freed slaves from owning firearms. 
We also seen Jim Crow, Jim Crow laws that were again, Democrats that were doing everything they could to keep African-Americans disarmed. Folks, the second amendment is colorblind for all those who are law abiding citizens, no matter race, gender, creed, Recent, in, uh, recent history is showing us that African-Americans are exercising their right to own a gun and they are choosing empowerment over exploitation, no matter what Professor Kendi believes. And the fact that anybody gives this guy, this Professor Kendi, a microphone to talk, I don't know. I don't know why they do it, but this guy, all, he is no better than Joy Reid. He looks through the he looks through the mirror that everything is racist. That's that's his daily life. He looks at everything through a racial lens. Where most people like me, we don't see race. We don't see color, we don't see creed, we don't see uh sexual orientation. We don't see any of that. We look at that and say, these are Americans. How many times do I talk about when I'm, I'm going through the numbers and talking about things in Chicago or New York? I don't say black people, Asian, white. I say Americans. Because that's who they are. They're Americans. And I don't care who you are. I don't care what you do. I don't care about any of that stuff. If you are a law-abiding American, you are entitled to the same rights that I have. Why? Because I'm a law-abiding American. I don't care about any of that stuff. You know, the, the funny thing is, is that on a daily basis, when I go through my emails and I get emails from people on the left, or if I do a live on TikTok or Facebook or something like that, I generally get people that come in who constantly call me a racist. And, I, and I'll challenge them. What did I say that's racist? Or they just assume that. Oh, it's just a ne- another ignorant white man. Really? You're showing your racism. You see, the problem with people like Kendi is that they're so anti-racist that they've become racist. That's just like Joy Reid on MSNBC every night. Trust me, I can only stomach about five minutes of it. You turn it on and she tells you how racist everybody in America is. Do you truly believe that? Do you people out there listening to this program, do you actually believe that? Do you believe that this country is more racist now than it was 70 years ago? Do you think it's more racist now than it was back in the civil rights movement? I don't think that country's that. I don't think the country's that way. Just like I just like I also believe that many Americans are good people. I don't think that uh, there's a small percentage of Americans that are bad people. But I generally believe that the majority of Americans are good people. Good, decent, hardworking people. That's why I don't look at okay, 
this incident happens here. We see an incident in Chicago, for instance. I'm just going to use Chicago as the example here. We see an incident in Chicago. I don't automatically assume that, well, probably it was a black person that did it. And I certainly don't assume that all black people are like that. But yet when one white knucklehead does something stupid with a gun, these same people who say not to discriminate against other people will immediately call every white person that they're racist or that they share the views of racism. What it really is, essentially, folks, is this reverse racism is really what it is. And I know some people don't agree with that, but hey, that's my opinion and I'm sticking to it. We don't see, I have trained, I'm a firearms instructor, folks. I have trained several African Americans, Hispanic Americans, uh, transgenders, gays, lesbians, bisexuals, you name them, I've probably trained them. I did a special last year, 25% off for anybody in the LBGTQ community. I had to literally create another class because I had so many people sign up for it. I was literally sitting here going, whoa. I expected maybe 25 to 50 people. I had over 125 people who wanted to take my course that were from the LGBT community. Okay, cool. I'm all for you exercising your right. But the fact that people like Kendi and a lot of leftists out there, they don't look at that as, oh, you know, you see this guy, he's teaching the LGBTQ community. He's teaching African-Americans and Hispanics how to properly handle a firearm or how to do anything along them lines. You know, properly handle a firearm, properly use self-defense tactics. And yet somehow I'm the racist and the oppressor. Does that make sense to anybody? Because it certainly doesn't make sense to me. But then again, what do you expect? I've always made the comment, you can't reason with unreasonable people. And nine times out of ten, that's what we deal with with people on the left. They're completely unreasonable. And Kendi is one of those people. He's completely unreasonable. Because he's made a career off of reverse racism. All right, folks, we're going to take a time out. We'll be right back after this. The SAF is the most important gun rights organization in existence. Don't believe me? They are responsible for 80% of gun rights cases making their way through the courts right now, fighting to protect your right to keep and bear arms. Still don't believe me? Then head on over to saf.org, where you can read about the current cases open right now. You can also join the fight or donate to the cause. Protecting your rights, one lawsuit at a time. Visit saf.org today. Are you looking for an iconic firearm to add to your collection? Well, look no further than Beretta Firearms. Beretta is the oldest firearms manufacturer in the world, supplying firearms as far back as 1650. In fact, the Beretta 92FS was the primary sidearm for the U.S. Armed Forces. Beretta has all types of handguns, rifles, and shotguns to fit your needs, whether it be home defense or concealed carry. Handgun 
options include the 92 PX4 Storm and the new APX series. Beretta is known for reliability and effectiveness. That's why so many military and law enforcement have relied on Beretta. Visit Beretta.com to view their selections. Beretta, win the fight. A big part of the concealed carry lifestyle is carrying your firearm at all times. This can be difficult if you don't have the right holster. I've tried many holsters with minimum success. Then I tried the cloak tuck, an inside the waistband holster made by Alien Gear Holsters. They also make the Shape Shift Holster Series, have lifetime warranties, and are made right here in the USA. Visit AlienGearHolsters.com to browse their selections and find the best holster for your lifestyle. This segment of the American Gun Show is brought to you by the Second Amendment Foundation. Join or donate at saf.org. Now back to the defender of your gun rights, Jason Reeve. All right, folks, welcome back to the show. And before we get on to our last uh, our last topic that we are going to talk about tonight, uh, I want you guys to go ahead and go over and follow all of our, par our partners and sponsors. Uh, Sig Sauer, Freedom 515, the Second Amendment Foundation, Taurus Firearms, the USCCA, Mission 22, Beretta and Alien Gear Holsters. I promise you, if you go and you check out any of these people uh, with it, whether it being a firearms manufacturer, Alien Gear Holsters, and USCCA, you guys are going to love what you get. Trust me. If you're looking for training, education, go to USCCA. Alien Gear Holsters makes the Shapeshift holster one of the most comfortable holsters I've ever worn. I wear them for all of my firearms everyone that I carry, trust me, you guys will love it. If you want to join the conversation, you can email me at AGS19811 at Outlook.com. Follow me on Twitter at JasonReeve81 or on Facebook at Jason Reeve. And you can also go over to uh, TikTok and follow me at American Gun Show. All right, folks, uh, after the Buren decision, the Supreme Court has come out and released uh more cases that they were going to grant cert to. Uh, the, the Supreme Court uh, had held up, uh, held a cleanup conference for the cases yet to be dealt with, with the current term, which ended today. For those cases that have been waiting on the decision from the New York State Pistol and Rifle Association versus Buren, Buren was decided with a strong opinion upholding the Second Amendment has an individual right to keep and bear arms outside the home. All four cases were granted cert, but have been vacated by the Supreme Court and remanded back to the appropriate circuits to be held in light of the Buren decision. The Buren decision eviscerates the, the two-step process and the three levels of scrutiny created in the circuits to evaluate cases. As far as enumerated rights goes, rational basis, intermediate scrutiny, and strict scrutiny are dead. Uh, 
It is now the burden of the states to prove that any law restricting the right to keep and bear arms must have a history and tradition greater than the Sullivan Law in New York. If the state cannot prove such a history or tradition exists, the law is unconstitutional under Buren. The four cases that have been in the courts for years have been the Association of New Jersey Rifle and Pistol Club versus New Jersey. This case involves the ban of magazines over 10 rounds by the New Jersey Third Circuit. Young versus Hawaii. This case deals with the denial of Hawaii to issue carry permits for outside the home. That was been remanded back to the Ninth Circuit. Duncan versus Bonka, uh, Bonta. This case involves the ban on magazines at over 10 rounds by California in the Ninth Circuit. And Blanche versus Frost, the case which involves a ban of semi-automatic firearms in Maryland that was remanded back to the Fourth Circuit. All four cases have been sent back to their respective courts to be evaluated under the clear-cut rules of the Buren decision. This is what we expected the Supreme Court to do. And the Supreme Court told the uh, offending courts they did it wrong when you considered these laws under the convoluted two-part system when three parts level of scrutiny evaluate them again. Using the process laid out in Buren, how long will this take is completely unclear. New Jersey and California have already made policy decisions saying their uh, good reason requirements are now unconstitutional. New York seems inclined to find ways to attempt to thwart the decision of the Supreme Court, and Hawaii has remained silent on it. Uh, the Supreme Court also sent a message to the lower court. It appears to ban to be on bans of items protected under Se Second Amendment are out of bounds. Bans on carrying a firearm outside the home are out of bounds. Use the process outlined in Buren to determine if the law has been around long enough or has been common enough that it would be acceptable restriction to the right to keep and bear arms in most states for the history of the second from when the Second Amendment was ratified, and particularly when the Fourth Amendment was ratified. It's really hard for me to see how these bans on so-called assault rifles, semi-automatic rifles, and a ban on magazines more than uh, 10 rounds uh, is going to show a history and tradition. So we'll have to wait and see how this plays out, but... We are going to look to see what happens here. We're going to be following this very, very closely because uh, these were definitely, I, I know I've been following the Young versus Hawaii case for a very long time. And that one had to do with the fact that you had to get a permit to carry concealed outside your home. And then you had to get a separate permit to open carry. And Hawaii does not like giving out permits. They don't like giving out any kind of permits whatsoever. So this is something that we'll, we'll see how this plays out. Uh, we're going to be keeping, uh, we're going to be keeping very close tabs on this. So stay tuned to the American gun show where, uh, we'll let you know, uh, when, uh, these cases will come out again, folks, I want to apologize for what happened in hour one with us losing connection. I know we were down for about five minutes, but I was glad that we were able to get back on again. If you're listening to the podcast, just skip ahead from 25 minutes to 33 minutes and, uh, we should be able to, uh, 
you'll be able to save yourself some time. All right, folks, that's going to do it for this edition of the American Gun Show. I want to tell everybody out there uh, this weekend, have a very happy 4th of July. We will see you back on the radio next week. Until then, take care of one another, stay safe, and remember, it's our rights, our fight.